Welcome to Rethink, the podcast that empowers you to challenge your existing beliefs and embrace new, more productive ways of thinking. Here at Rethink, we believe that the key to self-fulfillment lies in shattering old thought patterns and adopting new mindsets that support personal growth and empowerment. With expert guests and thought leaders from a wide range of fields, we explore strategies and insights that can help you achieve success and fulfillment in all areas of your life. From relationships to career, business ownership, and health, you are the source of your own success. We're just here to help you tap into your true potential and create a brighter future. So join us on the journey of personal growth and empowerment, and let's rethink what's possible for our lives. One in three COVID-19 patients are diagnosed with a neuropsychiatric condition. We're going to talk about this today on Things You Should Know, so stick around. Here at Things You Should Know Podcast, our focus varies from commonly asked questions like, what are the top email apps for iPhone users? Or how much does it cost to go to Disney World anyway? To the trending topics of the day, such as, are taxes going up or down? And who's Elon Musk? We shed light on things you probably always wondered about, but you never got around to investigating them yourself. This podcast brings you the answers to your most commonly asked questions and makes you smarter just by listening. Information empowers, and the more information you have, the better decisions you can make, and ultimately, your quality of life is based on the decisions you make. So, thanks for joining the discussion, and make sure that you subscribe today and not miss out on any future episodes of Things You Should Know. guys, welcome to Things You Should Know. My name is Kelly. I'm your host. And as always, it's my pleasure to welcome you into the podcast. Um, I ran across an article. Uh, so we're going to be really brief today, but I thought this was important enough to share with uh, the audience. Ran across an article in relation to side effects and some results, some studies, if you will, uh, that have been done on patients that have had COVID-19. And this story came out today, April 6th. The story actually came through uh, Apple News and uh, was written by Elizabeth Coney, uh, like I said, today, April the 6th. And it's entitled, One in Three COVID-19 Patients Are Diagnosed with a Neuropsychiatric Condition. In the next six months, uh, this is a very large study. I'm going to go over it with you today. Before we uh, jump into it, I'd like to welcome first timers uh, aboard. Thanks for finding us. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so that you will be alerted the next time we have um, podcasts out. We usually put it out in 48 hours. So there's new information up and coming all of the time. Thank you guys for uh, supporting the podcast. Please continue to share the podcast with your family, friends, loved ones, and associates. So it's going to be you know sort of a quickie today, but I thought this was um, very interesting. And let me start with a little bit of personal background. Number one, I have not uh, had COVID. 
Uh, thank God. I've not had COVID, but I do know, as many of us do, several people who have. And let's say I know five people who've had COVID. And, and that's actually true. I do know at least five, actually close friends and family. I actually know more than that, but we just go with five. So say we know five people. Um, my brother, for example, had COVID. I have a first cousin who's had COVID, co- co-workers who've had it, uh, friends, friends uh, that I've known my, my entire life who've had it. And if I had to guess, I've not I've heard as many similar symptoms as I've heard different uh, symptoms and results. So not that I confuse anyone. So symptoms, obviously, uh, leading up to do I have COVID, for example, uh, taste and smell or loss. So that seemed to be pretty um, similar. I've heard that from many people. This is one of the ways I knew I had it. You know, I, I lost my smell and I lost my taste, et cetera. OK, uh, also fevers, uh, hard to breathe, uh, these sorts of things. But uh, once they get through the virus itself, or on the other end of it, at least, and is somewhat dormant, then I've heard many different, uh, I've had many different conversations with people about how they feel after the virus is quote unquote done. And one of the things that stood out to me and that made this article very relevant for me is one of the, one of the persons that I know indicated to me very clearly that they were forgetting things like all the time now. They'd leave the home and their cell phones would be on their bed and they'd be almost at the office. Uh, they completely forget meetings. They forget where they put simple things. They just forget it. And these are people who operate, you know, uh, pretty high uh, in high capacity positions uh, in companies. And I mean, not that, you know, you could be a janitor and forget something that that doesn't really mean anything. But my point is um, they were they they were pretty proficient in terms of what they were doing before. And they really relied on their uh, sharpness and being able to be sharp. And I don't want to make it very muddy. Uh, But that was maybe one in five that I heard that. Uh, Also, one in five. Uh, my cousin actually indicated to me that he had um, blood clots in his lungs uh, as a result of, of COVID. Uh, he didn't feel like he needed to be hospitalized. And then we have a, another cousin who is a physician. And he said, no, you need to go. You need to get x-ray. Tell them to look at your chest. He was uh, complaining about some pain when he breathed deeply. And the x-ray resulted in blood clots and showing blood clots in his lungs of all places. So he spent a couple days in the hospitals to to remedy that. So uh, I, I, I tell you that before I tell you the story or tell you the story, read this article with you is because there's so many things that we still don't know about COVID. And uh, I guess I would stress the importance of being vaccinated, understanding that it is a personal choice. Uh, you've got to kind of weigh the options, you know, in terms of people are asking, you know, what's in the vaccine and there's let's discount all the conspiracy theories. Okay. Let's just get down to the logical reasons why people would not want to get a vaccine. 
um, beyond religion uh, and things like that. If you're a woman and you look to have babies at some point and you're concerned that any vaccine could limit you, I get it. Okay, I get it. If you're a woman and you're pregnant and you don't want to get the vaccine because you're not sure what it's going to. Okay, fair, fair enough. Um, if, if, if you just don't feel like this is necessary, uh, you feel like you've got a very strong constitution. You're not any, any of the, um, uh, groups that are, uh, will be considered, you know, some sort of a, a dangerous group to be in, uh, elderly or diabetic or so forth and so on. You feel like, you know, although I would suggest for hurt immunity alone, we, we, we get it. And if you don't want to do it, then that's fine. Actually, any reason you have is fine. I mean, whatever you do is, is your choice. Uh, but my point is this. When you consider the alternative, uh, this is not a cure for COVID. It's just a vaccine to assist you in fighting it off so you don't get severely ill or have to go to the hospital or, God forbid, pass away. Okay? This is not a cure. So I've seen people who've had full-on COVID. There was no uh, preemptive antibodies in their system. And it really, as a matter of fact, I'll be very transparent. I've had family members to pass away from this. I've had family members to pass away from this. And um, I'm thankful that there is some sort of remedy now where we can have something to fight against it, where uh, the vaccines that we have, if you're not familiar with the vaccines, you should go back through the podcast and see that we've done a podcast at least once on each of them to do a layout of what they are and how they're administered and what the efficacy rates are and so forth and so on. So my point is this. In seeing this article, I thought immediately about my friend who began to forget things. And again, the article is one in three COVID-19 patients are diagnosed with a neuropsychiatric condition in the next six months. This is a large study. So let's see what it says. So six months after being diagnosed with COVID, one in three patients also had experienced a psychiatric or neurological illness mostly mood disorders, but also strokes or dementia. This is a very large study. Uh, about one in eight patients, which is about 13%, they were diagnosed for the first time with such an illness. Uh, most commonly, anxiety or depression compared to control groups of people who had the flu or other non-COVID respiratory infections. First ever neuro, uh, neuropsychiatric diagnoses were almost twice as high, twice as high. So I think you can draw a line, a clear line uh, to, to, to the um, stimulus, of course, and that being COVID. So let's talk about the study. The study was published on Tuesday in the Lancet Psychiatry. Um, this is used uh, across the world by physicians, of course, in the, in the medical uh, field. Uh, this They use real-world health data on millions of people to gauge the incident of brain disorders. This includes anxiety, moods, and substance use disorders uh, were most common, but the research has also found worrying if lower rates of serious neurological complications, especially in patients who had been severely ill with COVID. In all COVID-19 patients, 0.6% develop a brain hemorrhage, 2.1% 
a stroke and then 0.7% dementia. This is pretty significant. Quote, we need urgent research to better understand how and why does this occur in patients with COVID-19 and how they can be treated and, of course, ways to prevent it. This is from Max Tiket, who's a clinical fellow in psychiatry, psychiatry, I'm, I'm sorry, at the University of Oxford and a co-author on this particular report that was published on Tuesday, quote, but we think that regardless of the explanation, health services need to be prepared for the increased demand that this data is showing. So again, reference my initial discussion, my initial intro into this about we don't really know. We don't really have enough information yet about what COVID actually does uh, in your body. Uh, example, I recently received the first part of a vaccine for shingles. And when I was going in to talk to my physician for my yearly physical, uh, my doctor began to discuss, you know, ask me questions about my health, how I was feeling and so forth. Hey, are you ready to get the shingles vaccine? You can only get it when you're 50 and I just turned 50. I said, well, I don't know. Uh, let's talk about it. So she began to describe to me uh, shingles some results of shingles and benefits of having the shingles vaccine. And I didn't know, you know, I know like now my kids, none of my kids have ever had chickenpox, but my, all of my, me and my siblings have, when we were kids going to school, this was very, very common for someone to be missing from school for a week or two weeks because they had chickenpox because it's highly contagious virus. Well, chickenpox doesn't leave your body. The virus hides in your brain. And at some point, it resurfaces into shingles. And just FYI, one of the things that people know about shingles is the rash and the pain associated with the rash. And they think once that's gone, medicated or treated and leaves, you're fine. Well, that's not the case. There's some severe nerve damage that takes place uh, through the resurfacing of this particular virus that we call shingles that originated as chicken pox. Why am I bringing this up? I'm bringing it up because there obviously are similar things happening with COVID that we don't quite know what to expect. And people who've had COVID, which is a lot, we don't know what other um, issues they may um, uh, be facing because the, the, the virus or parts of the virus are still hiding somewhere within their body. Now, again, back to the study. Uh, the size of the study lends confidence to its findings. That's important. Uh, which confirm what has been hinted in smaller studies. A lot of times when you're doing studies, it's important as we cross-reference this data with other data before we bring it to you, it's important that you cross-reference studies with other studies to see if there are similar findings. One study doesn't necessarily constitute a trend, but if you can find similar studies that also found similar results, then you can begin to hypothesize about similarities and trends and things of that nature. The researchers analyzed electronic health records of 81 million U.S. patients, both insured and uninsured, finding 236,379 people who had been diagnosed with COVID and 
compared them to three cohorts of similar people. One cohort had the flu. Another had another respiratory uh, illness, such as um, pneumonia. Uh, And one included people who were hospitalized for an unrelated condition, such as bone fractures or gallstones or something like that. The researchers hope that comparing the COVID groups to the others would help isolate the COVID-19 as a cause and, you know, weed out the other effects to the brain. After accounting for patients' age, sex, ethnicity, and existing health conditions, patients overall had a 44% higher risk of neurological and mental health diagnosis after COVID-19 than they did after the flu and a 16% higher risk after COVID-19 than other respiratory tract infections, such as pneumonia, things like that. So again, 44% higher risk of neurological and mental health diagnosis after COVID versus then the flu. 16% higher after COVID versus other respiratory tract infections. So that's pretty significant. Now, there were two exceptions. Researchers did not see increased risk of Parkinson's, for example, Parkinson's disease. It's a movement disorder or um, Julian Baer syndrome, which is a rare disorder that shows up uh, after some viral infections. Allison Navis, who is the assistant professor in the Division of Neuroinfectious Disease at uh, School of Medicine of Aiken School, which is in Mount Sinai, uh, sounded a note of caution. The lead clinical neurologist at Mount Sinai's post-COVID clinic, she was not involved in the Lasset study. Quote, it does highlight that there is something unique going on with COVID. Let's take a quick break. Hey, I'm going to get you back to that episode really quick. I know you're enjoying the podcast. I wanted to say thank you, break in really quick to say thank you so much for supporting the podcast. Three things really quickly. Number one, thank you for listening. Number two, please go down in the show notes. We have a new um, way to communicate and it is through text. So we'd love to hear from you guys. So please send us a text message when you're done listening to this episode. We'd love to know what your thoughts are. And then lastly, please go into our digital store. We've got a lot of digital products there that can help you be supported throughout these content deliveries throughout the podcast. There are ways for you to download these worksheets and eBooks and different things that can help really solidify some of the content that we talk about here on Rethink Podcast. Thank you guys so much, and I'll get you back to your episode. And the 12.8% who have a new diagnosis of something neuropsychiatric can sound very sensational. That 12.8% encompasses depression and anxiety, so it's extremely important to not minimize that and to not make that sound like a lesser diagnosis at all. But the more severe things like strokes are still fairly uncommon. I don't want people to think that one in 10 people get a stroke with COVID. 
That's important to stress as well. So really what she's saying here is, listen, given what was going on during the time of COVID and quarantine, depression and anxiety, given what we were dealing with, particularly in the U.S. with the election and stuff like that, depression and anxiety probably could have been diagnosed to a whole lot of people. To a whole lot of people. So let's not bypass that. But also, she admits that one in 10 people having a stroke, that's really uncommon as well. So we've got to understand the data in its entirety. The new study reinforces previous research that showed some brain disorders increased with the severity of illness going up in people who needed to be hospitalized, of course, and rising further in people who needed intensive care. While 33.6% of people develop a neuropsychiatric illness overall, that risk grew, it grew to 46.4% among COVID patients who were treated in an ICU. You'll recall also one of the problematic, uh, one of the problems and issues with COVID and this pandemic was the hospitalization, the number of beds could not equal the number of patients and sick people. And so there were so many people who were hospitalized and so many people who had to be treated with oxygen. You know, remember this conversation about ventilators and so forth. So many people ended up in the ICU. So really, at the end of the day, this study is just the beginning of understanding where all of this information is going. To track these folks who are in these studies to understand what's happening to their bodies since COVID is really going to be at the uh, forefront, I would say, not being a medical professional, but I would say will be at the forefront of trying to understand what's next. What's next? Uh, while the study did not examine the mechanisms that might explain neuropsychiatric uh, disorders associated with the virus, the authors did speculate in the call with reporters that if patients know that they have COVID, that and other stressors might contribute to a psychiatric illness. Quote, it could be psych- uh, psychological factors and biological factors and physiosocial factors. Physiosocial factors, such as, for instance, the need to isolate, the loss of income, and as a result of isolating, it's easier to tie neurological disorders to the virus effects of the brain. Scientists believe the virus can either, I'm sorry, can enter the brain through the uh, olfactory bulb where taste and smell are decoded. Inflammation throughout the body also harms blood vessels in the brain and can lead to stroke, causing blood clots uh, and dementia. Um, So at the end of the day, um, this was not a study of long dash COVID, uh, says Professor Harrison, which is a professor of psychiatry at the University of Oxford and a study co-author referring to the constellation of lingering symptoms that overlap with some problems caused by the neuropsychiatric illness described in the paper that was released on Tuesday. But the need for more research and continued clinical care is the same. Quote, sadly, many of the disorders identified in the study tend to be chronic or recurrent. So we can anticipate that the impact of COVID could be with us for many, many years. This is John Rogers and Anthony David of University College London. They wrote this in a commentary appearing in the Lasset study. So in summarizing this, guys, here's what, um, again, the reason I brought this to your attention. 
I hear every day. I don't watch the news. I think I've told you guys this before. I read the news because I don't allow people to sensationalize anything to me and allow my emotions to go in any direction. I can read and decipher very well for myself what's going on. And also, I can understand and compare information to make my own assessment. And which is why you're here listening to this information. You're going to make your own assessment. Don't believe anything I'm telling you. I've told you this before. Don't believe anything I'm telling you. Take this information and now research. Figure out if what I'm telling you is true. This is the only way you're going to know for yourself. Don't believe me. Don't believe anyone. Hey, I heard this on this podcast and I'm going to see if this is true. And I'm going to challenge you to find two or three other articles to cross reference it to, which is what I do before I bring anything to the podcast. And you'll find that this has substance. But what is the summary of it? What is the summary of why? Well, so many people are considering, reconsidering, not considering getting a vaccine. Well, what is the alternative? The alternative is COVID. The alternative is possibly getting COVID. And the longer you go without a vaccine is more likely that you may come in contact with someone who has COVID or you will come in contact with COVID. Um, Here's what I'm suggesting. The studies show that people who've had COVID, obviously with pre-existing or without pre-existing are existing and uh, maybe even new uh, diagnoses that COVID complicates all of that. It precipitates all of that. It further matriculates into all of that. So if there is depression and anxiety, it could make it, it could tilt the scales over into other neuropsychiatric illnesses as well. So when you're considering whether you're going to get the vaccine or not, and again, this is up to you. I'm not trying to convince you to get a vaccine, but I'm trying to share with you information that can help you make your decision. What we don't want is for you to die prematurely. What we don't want you is to suffer with illnesses that are needlessly, especially if there is a vaccine available to help you. Also, not trying to use fear as a factor, because that's another reason why I don't watch the news. I'm simply giving you information. And this information hopes helps you make a better decision for you and for your quality of life. The study was very clear. In terms of COVID's effects in one in three patients, in neurological illnesses, mood disorders, dementia, strokes, it seems to be very clear. And in the next three to six months, I expect to have more information out and we'll revisit this and talk about the additional studies that are taking place. But this was no small study. This was no small study. This information was gathered uh, by from millions of people. So be cognizant of it. Please go out and do your own research. One in three COVID-19 patients diagnosed with uh, neuropsychiatric condition in the next six months. This is um, information I hope has been helpful for you. I really appreciate you hanging out with me today. I just saw this today, so I wanted to bring it to your attention today. We'll have uh, some new subject matter uh, in two days that I prepared is called Why Do We Forget, which (laughs) commonly enough kind of ties into uh, this particular study also. Uh, But why do we forget? So hang out with me in the next few days. We'll be talking about that. That's what I plan on talking to you today about. But I thought to bring this to you quicker because of what 
you know, what's taking place in terms of the vaccines. So take this information, mesh it in with what you know, what you're going to be studying, what you're going to be researching, and make the best decision for you if you're on the fence about vaccines. Thank you guys for joining me here at Things You Should Know. I really appreciate it, and I'll be talking to you in 48 hours. Have a good one. That's all for today's episode of Rethink. We hope that you've enjoyed this exploration of new ideas and perspectives and found valuable insights and strategies that you can apply to your life. Remember, you are the source of your own success and fulfillment. And by embracing new ways of thinking, you can unlock your true potential and yes, create the life that you truly desire. Now, if you've enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to support the podcast by sharing it with your friends, your family members, your loved ones and associates, and even your followers on social media. Also, leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Lastly, don't forget to check out our show notes for free downloads and empowering ebooks that can help you on your journey of personal growth and empowerment. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. We look forward to exploring more ideas and insights with you in the next episode of Rethink.